The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Hello and welcome to the Doctor Who pod, proudly brought to you by SJP World Media. I am Soy, and joining me as always is our good buddy, Mr. Dan Griffin. How are you, sir? Hot, sweaty and sore, my friend. Hot, sweaty and sore. Ah. But that's only because I'm not used to manual labour. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'll meant... stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to... Nope, I'm going to leave it well alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you were, of course you were. But yeah, it's uh, it's still warm at time of recording, so there may, may well be another traffic noise special, so I'll do my best to uh, to mute it. And I know you'll try and work your magic in the edit, but we're uh, we're still struggling with the heat. Yeah, it's very muggy down here. We've had plenty of thunderstorms, which I love, apart from it, mm. you know, it scares the shit out of my dog. And my dog's not a small dog, but when there's thunder, he seems to think he's a lap dog. And it hurts, I'm not going to lie. He climbs up on the sofa and uh, hurts. But he's absolutely <laughs> terrified. So that's the one downside to it. But the other side of it is, big, you know, crazy thunderstorm. You'd think that's going to clear the air. But it hasn't worked. It's still horrible. No, no. Same up here. Same up here. Brilliant, like, sheet lightning and, and loads of rain yesterday. And no, really cool. I was walking, went to the wrestling. I was walking home. Seeing, just seeing the sky lighting up with and all the, you know, behind the clouds. It was yeah. awesome. But here we are still. I've got sweaty under boob and just <laughs> it's just not pleasant. It's not, mate, it's not. It's a bit a bit gross, but never mind. Never mind. Uh what Speaking we are here <laughs> What we are here to talk about today is a Colin Baker two parter from the March of nineteen eighty five entitled Revelation of the Daleks. Dan, I ask the same question pretty much every time we cover any classic Who, but I feel I do have to ask in, in any way, even though I expect the answer to be the same. Have you seen this before? I have not, no. I'm going in completely blind. Um, no, before we started this podcast, I'd seen no Colin Baker whatsoever, so it's all, all brand new to me. Right, okay, okay. This is the end of season well, what was it? Season 22, I think, of Classic Who. This is the, the last two episodes of that run. Uh, the next story we see the Doctor in, we enter into the Trial of a Time Lord saga that kind of covers the whole of the next season. And there's quite a gap between the two being produced. I think there's 18 months between production because they were unsure if Doctor Who was going to come back or not. It was on very, very thin ice, apparently. Uh, so, in a way, this is kind of in regards to real timeline goodbye to perry as a full-time companion mm. because in trial of the time lord she is still part of a couple of stories and still i suppose listed as the companion but they're done very much in a sort of flashback or flash forward style uh, and so on because it is the doctor reviewing uh well evidence put in front of him in the way that you know the evidence is produced as stories uh, and the stories of the episodes so when it comes to 
Perry being in Doctor Who real time, I guess, as we're as a viewer would watch it. This is her last story, which I think is a bit of a shame. Yeah, it is a bit of a shame. I've quite liked Perry from what we've seen mm. of her. Um, we've seen a lot of her. Not, <laughs> not, so, not so much in this story. No, um, no. To be honest, it was, yeah, it was, she's, um, sorry, I completely lost my train of thought there. She, she's a bit of a hard done to character, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she puts up with a lot of shit with, uh, from Colin Baker's Doctor. A lot of shit. And, she just throughout this. She just keeps saying, I "Just, I just want to go back to the TARDIS. This is there is obviously something fucked up here. Mm. Can we just go back?" And then the one time the Doctor actually says, "Right, yeah, you can go back now." It's now impossible for her to do so. Yeah, it's just and, and this this just, so just to lay my cards on the table early. It's this is one of those where Colin Baker's Doctor is in just full twat mode. Right. Okay. It feels like. Okay. See. I'm. I, I don't mind Colin Baker and Perry's sort of dynamic in this story as much as we've seen in 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 other stories that we've reviewed for the show, but I don't think it's. There's a, he's, he's he's sarcastic. He's nasty. He can be spiteful. He can be mean, and then he kind of softens in certain stories. Here, this isn't him being as nice as we see. Nor to me is it the worst we've seen. But there's still moments where I think, oh, you're being a bit of a dick there, mate. Mm. Yeah, I think maybe this comes with, I've only got a small sample size in terms of Colin Baker's. Okay. Um, Doctor, I've, I've not seen the amount that you have, obviously. I've not seen the amount you have. So, you know, the fact that he can get worse than this is a bit worrying. Because <laughs> within, I think within five seconds of, oh, I'm sorry, not five seconds. Yeah, actually, it's, very, it's, it's quite early on. He's, he's making making cracks about Perry's weight. Mm. Yeah, just unnecessary. Yeah, just twat for being a twat. And the weird thing is that he's, he's not actually the biggest dick in this episode. No, he's not. I'm assuming you're talking about Jobel. I am talking about creepy, creepy Clive Swift. Yes, he's a bit rapey, isn't he? It's 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 not good. He's, he's an old lech and it's just... We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yes, indeed. Um... The first thing we see is the TARDIS arriving and it's landing in uh, well, a load of snow in some woodland woodland kind of looking area. And the very first thing anyone does is, well, Perry just does a little bit of littering, doesn't she? By throwing something into the river. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Walks out, just, but she's essentially thrown her lunch into the river. Yeah, and then sulks because she's got nothing to eat. But I feel with the doctor, because the doctor says, that she, doctor says to her that she eats too much. Right. And it feels like they've been mid-row in the TARDIS. And he's been, you know, going at her for, you know, for eating. For eating. And she's going, well, well, fine, fuck it then. I'll get rid of it and, and throw it in the river. And then, she's, and, then she's <laughs> gone, and then she's just stood there thinking, why have, I, why have I let him get under my skin like that? I should have yeah. just eaten it. Yeah, so immediately feel bad for Perry. Yeah, indeed. Um, they're both wearing blue, which apparently is the colour of mourning in the planet they've arrived on. What's the planet? Is it Necros, the planet? Yeah, Necros, which I'm going to really struggle to not call Necrophiliacs. Okay, cool. Bear that in mind. Um, which is ironic, really, considering the amount of dead people that are spoken about in this episode. So, Yeah, there's a few in there. In fact, they call them stiffs as well, which... <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um there's a manky guy running around, following them about. 
that's literally my note just has manky dude because that's what he is he's a manky looking dude he's he's a bit sludgy a bit sludgy yeah yeah that's a good word actually he does look sludgy (laughs) i'll be honest he he looks like he's he looks like he's had the most violent diarrhea known to man yeah but upwards (laughs) (laughs) because it's all over his face It's like it's like yeah, it's, it was like it was at the epicenter of a shit explosion. Mm, yes, indeed. Uh, and you know, this manky dude is kind of spying on the Doctor and Perry as they uh, leave the TARDIS and head for their destination, which is to basically attend a funeral. Is is kind of the gist of what we're looking at, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's uh, the funeral of Doctor Arthur Stengos, I think his name was. And uh, again, we get um, the Doctor being a dick to Perry because she doesn't know who uh, who he is, and he's not allegedly one of the finest minds in the in the galaxy. And all that. It's like you pick this woman up from Earth. Mm, why would she know? Yeah, you've just yeah. been a prick for being a prick. Might he might be you know might be grieving whatever, but no need to be a twat about it. No, exactly, exactly. Uh, we cut to Jobel, the character of Jobel, who is preparing for the funeral, and he's quite high up in, in where he works, isn't he? He's like the the head of the, I don't know how a word is, is it the uh, the preparation team, maybe? He sort of gets he's, the bodies ready for the a, service. His official title is Chief Embalmer. There we go. Yeah, and he's, he's, he, he seems to be one of these who has let a little bit of power go to his head completely. Yeah. Because he's, he's talking shit about the deceased mm-hmm. and he's <laughs> we see uh, we see I, I didn't know this character's name for quite a while but it's Tess, uh, Tess and B- uh, Baker or yeah. Tess and Baker and she's just trying to praise him and, and keep you know keep his morale up when he thinks when she thinks he's you know he's getting a bit down on himself and he basically calls her a knuckle dragger yeah and it's like oh so we're just in the be a shit to women phase of uh, of the 80s yeah, I mean, she obviously thinks that he's wonderful as well, doesn't she? She thinks Jobel is wonderful. She's got a thing for him, and that becomes a bit of a theme throughout the two-parter here, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, I had to double-check who who, um, who this was who was playing Tassenbeek, because I thought uh, she looked like uh, Nursey from Blackadder. Yes, and me. But it's not her. It's, a, it's an actress called Jenny Thomason. And uh, I've done her a bit of a disservice because it just would not work out time-wise for when uh, for when Blackadder aired and when they said she'd uh, she would have had, actually needed a TARDIS to <laughs> to play those two roles. Yeah, that is funny because she does really look like Nursey, doesn't she? A younger Nursey, yeah, yeah, absolutely. She was in. I think this actress was in. Was it upstairs? Downstairs? It was it was quite a big yes. for a while, wasn't it? It was, yeah, and then actually uh, later on she was in uh, she was in Emmerdale as well. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I only happened to have her. Um, I've got her IMDb up. Oh, okay, <laughs> just by chance. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> also, full disclosure, I was I was going on to Chrome to uh, to check the cricket score. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> hey, I'm nothing if not professional. Very much so. Very much so. Um, around the the area where they're preparing this um this person for their their funeral service their burial and so on i mean this is a huge a uh, huge do as well isn't it it's a big uh, elaborate um occasion this is quite an important person who has passed away that they're, they're preparing for the funeral of so it's quite a the big pres- deal the president's wife no less. there we go there we go so it's quite a big deal for joe will to be working on this 
there's a couple of people sneaking about with guns and oh um, this pissed me off okay go on a couple of times in this two parts uh, this is the first one they've done like a whole thing where they've been talking and it's right right break go do your thing and people have gone off there's three exits from this room off the three directions to go one back up to this sarcophagus thing and beyond it and then left and right characters have gone left characters have gone right and they've okay. come in from the left so it, it's and we've i think at this point we've seen like an aerial shot of the of that room okay it was it it, it annoyed me a ridiculous amount that i'm just looking at it just going Somebody would have seen them. They're, they're just walking through with guns from exactly the direction that people who, who work there have just gone. <laughs> right. It just, it just, I spotted it and it just did my tits in. Ah, see, I didn't notice that. I, I'm obviously not as observant, so it didn't bother me. But yeah, yeah I, get, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. Um, it turns out that this place that has you know, numerous dead bodies, obviously, uh, has an issue with body snatchers. And these two people here are viewed to be body snatchers initially. Yeah. It means that it's effectively not a very secure facility. Yeah. Because, I mean, it doesn't look like there's any real security. And these two people have gone in relatively straightforward, haven't they? And they get... With guns. Yeah. And they spend quite a bit of time milling around, going from room to room, doing various different things, with guns, without a real problem. Yeah. It's... It was just a bit odd, and a lot of it felt... That, there's a lot of this that felt a bit like filler. Mm. You know, and the we've said before about multiple storylines and converging together and it all feeling well-paced. This was a bit more on the disjointed side of things for me. Yeah, okay. Because I know it's a big facility, but how fucking long did it take those intruders to to find the, what they were looking for without anybody noticing them? Yeah, yeah, very true. I, I suppose we might as well just get down to it. I mean, they're looking for basically, I mean, it, it, it's a fella and a lass. I mean, the, the girl's name is Natasha, but the guy's name escapes me. I'm not sure what he was. I don't think we ever get his name. I just called him drunk. Yes, because he was Cause drunk. Because he was an alcoholic doctor. Yes. Um, or ex doctor, you know. it's Yeah, and they're looking for Natasha's father's body because they've, they've heard rumors of experimentation and we hear about a character called the great healer mm-hmm. and you know a few bits and pieces so again it's that's it's an intriguing bit of setup but it just i don't know something just didn't click with me with the with the pacing and the way it flitted around it seemed to take forever for these people to get where they needed to be or whether what you know find what they wanted to find it seemed that the doctor and perry were just milling around for a while even after they tried to hypnotize old uh, old melty bollocks well, this is the next next couple of notes I've got, and I will read exactly from my notes here because I know you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, it says, "Doctor fights with the manky dude after trying to hypnotize him, and then Perry beats him off." <laughs> <laughs> Living vicariously through the melty headed, uh, the headed, uh, the melty headed gentleman, are we, Simon? Indeed, indeed. Um, <laughs> but you are right with regards to the Doctor and Perry; they are. Pretty much the whole of the first part. I mean, again, for those unaware, uh, this era of Doctor Who, most stories were split into two parts, and the two parts were broadcast, you know, 45 minutes long in this country. Quite often they were broken up into uh, smaller episodes when they got shipped abroad, so this may have well been a four-parter with 20 to 25-minute episodes and so on. But on UK television, it was 45 minutes. The whole of the first 45 minutes, 
the Doctor and Perry are walking from the TARDIS to where they believe this ceremony is going to take place. Yeah. And it's almost like the whole of the first episode. So the whole first half of this story is being used to build the world in the background before the Doctor arrives. Now, that's quite a long time to be doing that. I was just going to say, it's that's not a bad idea in principle, mm-hmm. but it's not particularly well executed for the most part here. Um, they did a good job of establishing Jobel as a very hateful figure. Yes. And did a good job with Tass and Beacon and, you know, being downtrodden and, and establishing her character. Um, but there is there is a lot that could have been cut down. For example, I, th- I feel like it's because they maybe had Alexi sailing, but did we really need the DJ? This is the next thing I was going to come to. And I think when I messaged you, did the standard, damn, what are we doing this week? Because I always forget. And yeah. you said about it. And I messaged about, oh, Alexi Sales in this, and he's a DJ, and he's fucking annoying. It, it, I don't think I did that enough justice with regards to how irritating this guy is. I hate this character with an absolute passion. Yeah. I, I think this is... We have seen some terrible Doctor Who moments, some terrible Doctor Who stories, some terrible Doctor Who characters. I place this as basically, I think, the worst character we've come across in our, in our podcast yet. Yeah, I would say so. Certainly at the start, because it felt... Have you ever watched The Warriors? Yes. You know when they've got the the radio DJ giving updates yep. to, the, to the other gangs? And it's really cool and, and a, mm. a good, like, sort of framing mechanism. Yeah. Um, and, and way to sort of move it along. It feels like that was what they were going for, but they fucked it right up by making him one of the most annoying shits going. Even when... Even when he has that conversation with Perry later on and he drops the American accent because he says he's doing it for show because it, it was he heard it on old recordings that his granddad or his uncle bought back uh, from mm-hmm. Earth and so on. So he patterned his style after them and all this sort of stuff. Even then, when they're trying to maybe show, I don't know, a level of vulnerability or a different side to the character or make him a little bit more relatable, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Even then, it's a complete fucking mess for me. And it, I'm not going to lie, I was really happy when he got killed. <laughs> it, it, it did redeem it somewhat when when he kind of dropped the bullshit, but mm, it didn't make up, it. But it didn't make up for the sheer amount of bullshit that they put in. You know, he's, he's just a random DJ playing because these people are actually in suspended animation. You know, they're waiting for cures for diseases to be found, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they call it perpetual interment rather than burial or anything like that. Which again is, is an interesting sort of thing to think about, and you think, "Oh, how's that come yeah. about?" And you know, it, it is intriguing. But that's the idea of entertainment to people who are in suspended animation, just a constant loop of this dickhead. Mm, yeah, they'd, they'd uh, come out if they ever woke up. They'd come out insane or begging for death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we after we meet the DJ, we then very quickly see a Dalek, and, and we see Davros. Oh, the right. re- the Sorry, reveal of that was incredibly fast, wasn't it? It's just, I've, on mine, uh, hip, Cosmic Hippie DJ talks about how fit Perry is and being a damsel in distress in a really bad American accent, then suddenly Daleks. Yeah. They just, uh, Davros's, yeah. Head, Davros's head in a jar. 
Yeah. What did you think of that? This this portrayal of Davros here, where he's in theory been blown to bits when he the last time the Doctor encountered him, he is now just a head in a jar on a mechanism that kind of darts around quite quickly as well, doesn't it? But he's not got to worry about whiplash. Very true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> Can't break his neck when he hasn't got one. Yes. Um, yes. It was interesting. Uh, obviously, I don't know the background. I, I didn't know it until the uh, the, rest of the Doctor and Davros have their exchange later on. Um, but intriguing enough, it, it feels like the best they could do with the budget. Okay. Um, it looks all right. Doesn't look brilliant. Doesn't look completely terrible. Um, and it's just as a concept, you know, the the barely clinging to life villain skulking in the shadows. It's mm. It's a fairly stock kind of thing, so yeah, I've um, not really got a problem with it. Fair enough. I quite liked it. I, I quite liked, and a lot of this, I mean, there's some really ropey moments with regards to the effects and, um, shall we say, the standard classic Who set wobbling moments, but not just the set, there's other instances as well. But there are other aspects to this that I thought looked really, really good. The Mankey mm. dude, I think, looked quite good. As far as Mankey guys go, yeah. he looked Mankey. Practical effects, yeah, that was that was pretty good. He even did his teeth. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, is, is a detail that could have easily been missed or not bothered, bothered with. Um, despite him being annoying as shit, I thought the surveillance stuff with the DJ looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Where they were doing like the picture-in-picture thing with the green surround and all that. Yeah. I thought that looked okay. Um, later on, when the uh, the body snatchers, as they call them, find... The uh, find what the Daleks are working on and you know cloning facilities and whatnot. Um, I thought those sets looked brilliant. Yes, particularly you know, but there's a bit later on where they find brains in a jar. Yeah, effectively that they're trying to experiment on and work on. And it's just like that is like it's it's verging into horror adjacent territory. Mm-hmm. And and with some of the body horror aspects, um, jumping ahead into you know later on. To be honest, when uh, Natasha eventually finds out what's happened to her father and sees the state of him. That was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's like, that's a bit mildly horrifying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, from, from my, from my mindset, I mean, I get the impression we're going to jump around a little bit with this story anyway, because as a story, I don't think it, I don't, I don't think we would do it justice talking about it scene by scene how we do with other stories because there's a lot of filler as you said Dan a lot of milling around and so on but I mean to sort of get across to the part where Natasha finally meet, finds what happens what's what's happened sorry to her father um the monkey man is is a product of the great healer's experiments he tells the doctor and Perry before he dies because Perry you know beat him off so severely and um <laughs> The coroner remarked he'd never seen a happier corpse. <laughs> exactly. Um, Davros is dealing with some higher-ups from that nation. I mean, Clara is the name of the one who is in charge Cara. there. Cara, sorry. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Clara on the brain, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, she has a secretary who's just a snivelling little lapdog piece of crap, really. I didn't like that dude whatsoever. Yeah, Vogel. Yes, that's it, Vogel, yeah. Um Davros wants more money for his experiments, but what we're finding out is that the bodies that Davros has access to is the, 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 the upper class are being turned into Daleks, 
whereas the lower classes are being turned into food and refed back to the other people so that Davros can carry on getting funding for his experiments because he's feeding people with his experiments. Now, in principle, I think that is genius as a story, as a plot, (laughs) as an idea. I think that is absolutely fantastic. There's so much you can do with that. Davros is evil, as he should be. He's again working on trying to create his own I suppose variant of a Dalek because it's not going to be pure because the way he's building it. But you've also got the aspect of he's getting this funded by feeding people their dead relatives back to them. It's just, (laughs) oh, it's so dark and so sinister. But at the same time, brilliant as a story. And they don't make enough of it. Nope, exactly. They spend so much time with the you know the, the intruders and pissing you know them pissing about getting into little firefights they spend so much time later on with Orsini and, and uh, Bostock the, the assassin and his in his yes. ward and and Alcara's attempts at flattery and, and politicking and shit like that. Really what there should have been a, a big discovery and a big reveal and and a big exposure of what Davros was doing is and taking the great healer down. Because that whole thing, you know, oh, we've got this really cheap protein that, that's effectively wiped out hunger. Oh, by the way, you're eating your dead relatives. That should have been a massive moment and, and horror and outcry and disgust. Yeah. Maybe someone throwing up in the corner, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's all so just kind of it's all but it's all just, it's literally done in a throwaway line towards the end of the two parter. Um, yeah. But going back to one thing you said about the, um, the you know the, uh, the melty face guy dying, um, this was probably one of the best scenes in the whole uh, the whole show in, in terms of actually being quite thought provoking and, and and emotional. It's when we find out you know find out he's the product of the experimentation. And saying that you've you know you've probably done me a favour given the state of me. It's not much fun being how I am. Yeah. So he's obviously someone who's in great pain, who's gone through a lot of suffering. And Perry did what she had to do in the moment, but has effectively killed someone innocent, quote unquote innocent, who's been through hell. Yeah. And she's visibly shaken, and she actually gets to to show off a bit as an actor. Because I thought Perry was fantastic in that moment. She she looked so upset and conflicted and, and a, a little bit ashamed of herself. Mm-hmm. And that's this is again where Colin Baker's doctor is very, it's, I suppose, kind of undoctor-like in that he, this has happened. And he's just kind of, well, okay. Yeah. He's, he's quite, he's, he's unfazed by it all. It's very matter of fact, isn't he? Yeah. He's, I mean, he, he tells her what she needs to hear. And he says, you know, you did what you had to do. And Perry has this line where she's visibly shaking and crying. He says, uh, I killed him and he forgave me. Why was he so nice about it? Mm. What a question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, but again, then that's just left. After that, then I think the next time we see them, uh, the next time we see those two, it's when they're just trying to get over the wall and the doctor's cracking a joke, cracking a joke about her being fat again. Yeah. Which she definitely is not, let's be honest. No, no, really, really furthest thing from. And 
again, there could have just been so much more made of that. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and as well, I suppose, adding to that, it's not like they haven't got time. Because mm. there is so much filler elsewhere in the story. Yeah. Well, we go from that to Davros wanting uh, Tass and Beaker brought to him and, and Cara on the you know, Cara on the phone and then Dickhead FM's back. Um there's Tass and Beaker bollocking Takis and, and the other guy. And then we're back to Dickhead FM and then we're back to the uh, to Takis and the other beardy fuck. Mm-hmm. Um and the only thing that's happened in all of that is that we've found out that the dialects are patrolling and Davros is extending his reach. Yeah. And, you know, that, that takes up a good, like, five, six minutes. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I, I suppose, I mean, we're, we're sort of very much, very quickly accelerating towards the end of part one here. But before we get there, there's a couple of things I want to get your opinion of. Uh, when Natasha finally catches up with where her father is, he is being converted into being a Dalek. Now, yes. yeah, so he's he looks gross. He, they've done some funny stuff with his teeth again, like they did with a manky dude, so that's quite cool. But um, I suppose it's the two types of Dalek we see in this first part that I'm intrigued to get your, your opinions on, because... The, the room full of the brains in glass cabinets that, you know, is lit with um, red lights and so mm. on. It looks, it looks pretty spectacular. There's a see-through Dalek. Yeah. And the Dalek is, like I said, all this kind of see-through tank type style Dalek casing with the human remains turning into Dalek inside of it that we can see because it's transparent. Mm. And then secondly, we have the, the, the Daleks that are out and about doing Davros's bidding, they are the white Daleks with the gold um, plungers and bumps and guns and accessories, mm. I suppose. Those two types of Dalek that we see in this first part, what are your, what are your thoughts on those designs there? So, well, the, we've got the classic ones, and I don't think much needs to be said about those because they are what they are. They are Daleks. Um, it's a bit odd that they're cream-coloured. Mm. <laughs> But, you know, that's by the by. We've seen plenty of different colours and they are very classic Dalek. I was really intrigued by the sort of, it almost looked like a blueprint shell yeah, of a Dalek around the biomass because it feels like that was somehow conditioning whatever was inside to then either, you know, cut it down to the right size or to get it to the right state, gestate it effectively before the armour was then put into that frame. Uh-huh. If you see what I mean? Yeah. So I thought, in terms of it being like a building station for a Dalek, I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah. And because it was so dark down there, and we'd already seen the reds, and then the you know the whatever living matter was in the middle was all sort of pinks and yellows, the blue was a really good contrast. Mm. I thought it was very well designed. And, and this so this whole thing, where they see the brains in the jars and they're having a bit of a back and forth and Davros is watching bits and pieces and, and stuff like that. Um, but you, you've got the doctor, you've got the drunk doctor and uh, Natasha talking about dying and he's saying, well, it's all right for you. Um, you know, if, if I'm tortured and killed, I'll know the name and function of every organ that plop out of me. <laughs> and then she says, at least you won't die in ignorance. <laughs> yeah, that was that was good. <laughs> so, so that was great. You know, they find this Dalek shell with the biomass and the eye opens 
and it's Natasha's, you find out it knows Natasha. That's a brilliant sort of, oh, holy shit. And then we have the Dalek shell blob thing saying that they're being conditioned to to serve a new master. And it's sort of descending into this Dalek mindset and the voice is changing as well. Yeah. And flitting between, you know, we're, we're to serve a new order, become supreme beings and conquering and destroying and then begging for death and then talking about Dalek glory and destruction and then saying, if you ever love me, kill me. Mm-hmm. Like that was brilliant. Yep, really, really well done. That's, that's up there with anything anything that I've seen in Doctor Who. I'd yeah. probably say it's, it's, it's at least competitive. But they, right in the middle of that, they put in a bit of dickhead FM. And I'm like, yes, we get you going for a Warriors thing, but who thought that was a good idea? It's not, oh, I just fucking want to punch the guy. It's just, every time I see him, he irritates me. Every single time I see his face, before he's even spoken, I just think, no, why is he back again? And, uh, when he gets to the point later on when he's acting a little bit more casual and, and out of DJ character, so to speak, my patience is already gone with him. I don't care anymore. Mm. I can't stop. But the reason I, reason I asked about the Daleks was obviously the the casing, the see-through casing Daleks sort of growing inside, changing whatever it is inside. I thought looked incredible. And to my knowledge, we don't see that before or since. This is literally it. The only, the only mm. occasion we might see this. But the other Dalek, the white Dalek, cream Dalek, whatever, with the gold accessories. The reason I asked about that is because I don't think we see that very often. It does pop up a few times in different stories in Classic Who and so on. Mm. But as a kid, that's my first mindset when I think Dalek. Because it was a Sylvester McCoy story they were in. And they were battling uh, the grey Daleks, so to speak. Mm. And I had a little Dalek toy. I don't know what it would have been, six inch tall or something like that. And it was in those colours. And if you pulled it, it was one of those spring ones that you used to get with your toy cars. So if yeah. you pulled it back and let it go, the Dalek would sort of trundle along your carpet. <laughs> and I also remember my, a good friend of mine who, who I told the story before that I used to go to his house once a week after school whilst my mum was at work. And we'd watch old Doctor Who videotapes. Um, he had a massive, like huge, I don't know what size it was, but it was ma- to, to, to me being a kid anyway, it was massive. It was on the front of his wardrobe. Poster of a Dalek mm-hmm. from the 80s Doctor Who. And it was half the white and gold one. And the other half had like sections cut out of it and showed you the workings on the inside. And it was amazing. So Brilliant. I've got a real soft spot for this this design or these this colour then, shall we say, mm-hmm. of Dalek. This is my favourite colouring of a Dalek. I love it. Just a shame it's in, just a shame it's in such a wank story. Yeah, there is that. There is that. Oh god, but yeah, it's yeah, that's fair. I think I always imagine being imagine them being darker and, and more like coppery yeah. trim you know trim. But I think that's probably down to the episode Dalek that we covered. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. Uh, that was the first Dalek story I saw properly. Right, okay. Um watching Doctor when you know in the Eccleston one so yeah it was yeah it was good though I quite like him but um, one thing sorry one thing we skipped over just going back to we did get another scene where with uh, Tass and Beaker and Gerbil and right, he just yeah. treats her like shit and he just treats her like shit again yeah you know she's trying to organise stuff 
and he bollocks, he bollocks people for standing around. Then she tells him that a guard's been murdered. And he just says he wishes it was her. Yeah, and then, that's horrible. Uh, and then he, then he has the nerve to say he wishes she'd get used to his sense of humour and she apologises to him again. And she's like, this poor woman. Mm-hmm. And this absolute dickhead. You know, and, and he's then bollocking her for apologising more. He's like, for fuck's sake, just, just cut her some slack. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, we mentioned, I mean, first of all, after after Natasha's killed her seafood Dalek, pinky blobby dad. Um, <laughs> Dalek <get> daddy. <laughs> Dalek daddy. They get captured. Uh, we then get the arrival of Orsini and what was his name? Bostock was his, his partner. Yeah. yeah. And they are assassins and they're being hired by Kara to kill the great healer or Davros as she knows him. Oh, this was a lot of waffle, wasn't it? It was a lot of bollocks, wasn't it? It's the, just the one bit oh. they offer, they offer him to sit down and he says, no, I'd rather stand. And Kara doesn't, just go oh yeah okay then and get on with the mission she has to give this spiel about oh yes men like you you must be coiled ready for attack and action at all times so fucking have a day off love she's like it's blatantly obvious she's some form of politician or yeah schemer or diplomat or she's done that somewhere because she is so full of shit yeah just constantly, even down to the point where Orsini, for some reason, apologises for Bostock because he stinks. <laughs> Basically. And she's saying, oh, the, the, the order of nature has its own charm. And it's like, shut up. Oh, yeah. Man's, man probably smells like an ass. Yeah. And then exactly. we get all the stuff about um, Orsini having a, a faulty valve in his hydraulic leg. Yeah. And your car is really just slimy. But Orsini's that trope of, um, you know, the uh, the contemplative assassin. You know, the one who takes no joy in his work, but he just happens to be good at killing. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, yeah, fair he used enough. He to be a soldier as well, didn't he? Yeah, now he's a, a knight in the order of some or other. I can't remember. I've got it written down somewhere, but, meh. Yeah. It's just more on... <laughs> this crosses the line. Like, I, I normally like stuff that builds the world, but it's got to be done without being a... a just an, ex- um, an exposition dump mm-hmm. where there's just a lot of info that, that just flies you in. It's just like, we don't need to know this. If, if no. you know, when one character's talking to the other and saying, ah, yes, you're a knight of blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's not as effective to me as like later on when Orsini um, uh, twats the doctor and he says, and the doctor's like, only I'd be stupid enough to attack a knight of the order of Oberon. That line is enough. Yeah. Yeah, because you've got but, the actions to go along with it. They're back at the, the whole premise of the statement. Yeah, you've been you've been shown it. You've been shown what's happened. Then the doctor's put the words in there, and it's, it's all done in, in ten, ten seconds, if that. Yeah. Instead of, another again, another few minutes of waffly bollocks. Indeed. Who will we'll also be playing at Gallifrey Fest. <laughs> <laughs> um Kara gives Orsini a transmitter, which she says that she need, he needs to press certain buttons in a certain sequence to activate the transmitter when they are in Davros's lair. And I'm sat there watching it and going, blatantly a bomb. Yeah. Of course it's a bomb. How have you not figured this out? This is a bomb. And Orsini's like, yeah, signed. I'll just, I'll just nip off and do this for you. No worries. 
But Bostock's figured it out. Yeah, Bostock's, you know, he may be a smelly bastard, but he's got it about him, hasn't he? Stinky, stinky but switched on. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, this... we, we get this. Sorry, it's just, again, we, we have them. We have the info dump about all the high-protein concentrate and shelter planets and, you know, but the great healers bleeding them dry and it's actually Davros and Orsini wants a crusade against evil like the old days. And it's just, okay, fine. Mm. But, you know, you're using 50 words where three will do. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, we then head back to the Doctor and Perry and they are now inside the grounds after climbing over a wall and digging at Perry about her weight. And th- there's statues and, and figurines all over the place of people who have passed away, who are, you know, very important and wishing to be remembered. And the doctor sees a statue of himself. So starts to ponder, have I you know, gone uh, the wrong way round in my own timeline? Do I not regenerate mm-hmm. again? Is this it? Do I die like this? And so on. Uh, the whole time the statue is wobbling around like a piece of cardboard in the wind. It looks pretty <laughs> dire. Um, before Perry goes off to see if there's a statue of her, which I loved because she was like, oh, looks like you're going to die, Doctor. Let me see if I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm not dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, when this happens, the, sta- the statue falls. And that's our cliffhanger at the end of part one, Dan. What did you think of that? It would have been better if we hadn't seen it split in half on its way down. Yeah. Um, but as as a so as a concept, the idea of accidentally finding your own gravestone in time travel is great. Yes. Oh, totally. It really is, and I can kind of under, I can fully understand Perry. It's like holy shit. Well, if the, doc, if the doctor dies, what happens to me? I wonder if I'm here. Well, she actually but, says, doesn't she? I can't fly the TARDIS. Yeah, but. Also, the question would be, the thing would be, they've arrived in the future and the statue's there. So that means that the Doctor must have died there in the past. Mm-hmm. Meaning that he must have another visit to this place in his own timeline after this. After he's done whatever he's doing there at Stengos's funeral, he must then come back yeah. and die there somehow. So it's kind of like... Timeline-wise, and, and sort of the, the wibbly wobbly way that time travel works, it was then kind of inevitable that they were going to get out of it. If you know, if that's the way they're going, because that's yeah. all that, that okay. happened in my head. I was like, "Oh wow, that's you know, imagine finding your own gravestone." And then my brain immediately went, "At least they know they're going to get out of it, though." But no, neither of them figured that out. No, no. And well, I suppose in a way they they get out of it ridiculously easy it's quite I, I think this is the, the beginning of part two is just bollocks for me because we've had yeah. this hanger of this massive huge stone statue falling on the doctor perry's there getting all upset old rapey jobel turns up and he's like oh you're so pretty don't worry about no don't try and look for your friend you'll be covered in blood oh, and all so, so someone as pretty as you shouldn't be in a fluster yeah yeah <sighs> oh. And, and then he says something I mean, like, the, oh, the yeah. slime, sorry, just the slime is turned up to 11 on this, and it, it's just grim. Yeah. Just this, we've all, you know, we've all seen it, been out and about in pubs or, or nightclubs and, and seen the, you know, the, the deluded, pervy older guy trying to crack on to, you know, 20-year-old or something like that. And it's, it's oh, just have a day off, Jobel. 
Yeah, for it fuck's is sake, yeah. not a good look. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll come to we'll come to more about Joe in a bit, but yeah, he's just he's there. You know, she calls she outright calls him a creep, which is good. Mm-hmm. And then he, he's like, I agree. My dog going mad. Somebody's obviously at the door. <laughs> Woof, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I've got some of the lines written down. It's like, and he's like sidling up to me. Like, oh, you lose one friend only to find another. Yeah, that. Oh, mate, oh. come on. And she says, and she says, you some kind of weirdo. And he's like, no, I'm very important. I'm the chief embalmer. As if that makes it any less creepy. Yeah. Hi, I'm, hi. Your mate's just died. I'm Clive. I'm Gerbil. Uh, I died like dead bodies. Mm. Yeah. No. It's not and then he's moaning that he's moaning that he put his back out trying to lift the damn thing, and then out of nowhere, Colin Baker just pops up and looks like, "Oh, fine." Yeah, and that's that. He literally just jumps up and goes, "I'm okay. Let's carry but on." Then, but then they allude to it not being made of stone, and Joe actually gets quite a good line in here. He says, uh, "If it, even if it had been made of stone, I doubt it would have killed you." Uh, killed you. And Colin Baker's just like, "Really?" And he says, "Yeah, it'd take a mountain to crush an ego like yours." So it's like fucking pot calling the kettle, mate. Come yeah. on. Yeah, definitely. It's all part of an elaborate effect, apparently. The doctor explains it as. I thought it was a load of bollocks. Yeah, that, that even that line <laughs> is, is is pretty nonsensical, isn't it? It's all part of an elaborate effect. For what purpose? For what benefit? Well, Davros is trying sense. to lure. He's, he's trying to lure the doctor in and pique his interest because naturally he's he's a hyper intelligent supervillain, so he can't just do something as simple as trap the doctor in a box and shoot him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all a bit. Hmm. Um, the doctor and Perry and I uh, basically around where the funeral is going to take place, the service is going to take place, and uh, I forget her name, Tessin Backer. Tessin Beaker's there because she's Tassin now working, Baker. she's now working for Davros, yes, uh, because she sort of skipped over, yeah, she's been sent to see Davros, and Davros is. Uh, as far as alien heads go, Davros is trying to be a bit slimy as well, isn't he? He's like, oh, you deserve so much better than Joe Ball. Why don't you be nice to me and I'll be nice to you and you can be, Im- you know, make you Im- immortal and I'll show you how this guy behaves on my creepy cameras that watch everyone everywhere. You know, yeah. it's... It's kick. <laughs> Keep a... <laughs> Never mind why the toilet cam's on my favourites list. <laughs> <laughs> just jealousy because he can't get a toilet himself, can he? Because he's like just a head. <laughs> Just sat there thinking, God, I miss taking a shit. Oh, look at that, eh? Going for a dump. I miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you never saw when Davros's chair actually opened when, back when he had a body. He was actually just sat on a little toilet all the time. <laughs> See, I imagine it more to be like um there's like a hatch at the back. And you know how like, when you see the uh portaloos getting emptied at festivals? <laughs> somebody attaches a big hose pipe to the back of Davros's little chair and he's just he's just got to hold on really tight so he doesn't like vanish down it himself <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm like join us next week on the Davros Shitting Habits podcast to be fair you never see Davros eat do you? no I wonder what his diet's made up of I can't imagine him being a salad guy I think he I think he survives on dry Weetabix Nobody can, be, nobody can have that much hate in them without having a really poor diet. Mm, dry, just dry Weetabix and gherkins. <laughs> I like gherkins, but not with dry Weetabix. It strikes me as the kind of person who wouldn't enjoy food. He's very much a food is fuel type of person. Ah, uh, okay. Like and it's just like, you 
like Tolly. No, even less so than Tolly about it. Tolly at least knows what flavors he likes together. I feel like Davros would just like if he had like a slice of ham, a bit of jam, and a couple of slices of bread. Slices of bread, he'd just slap them all together and just eat it all at once. Thing is, though, when you think about it, he's just a head in this one. So that would mean a Dalek would have to make his sandwiches for him and then feed him. Could you imagine that image? Hmm. I think at this point he's just been fed by like nutrient tubes. Uh, he's probably it's, it's just like pumping the nutrients straight into his system to keep the brain going because he'll have to have like, artificial organs to keep the rest of his body going. Mm. That's just to keep his brain alive. Yeah, fair enough. So really, all he needs is a couple of double A batteries. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the image of a Dalek making a sandwich. To be fair, <laughs> swap the sucker out for a little tray. Yeah. <laughs> and a knife and the, the, just spreading the marmite on. <laughs> the gun's just the gun's just got like a little hand attached to it. And it goes up to Davros, the, the thing with somebody says, Here comes the aeroplane. <laughs> masticate, masticate. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, that's going in, that's going in the outtakes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna leave that in. Um <laughs> We are told here as well that there are two ships coming towards the planet, not just the president uh, for the for the service. Orsini, ah, did, sorry, did you clock the unnecessarily sexy voice for the computer? No, I didn't. I was I was probably thinking about Dalek sandwiches or something. So, <laughs> so Takis is asking how far out the president's ship is, and he's due in about an hour, and that's right. where he finds this second transponder code for the other ship. This computer does have like an unnecessarily sort of breathy, oh, what can I do for you? What's your pleasure? <laughs> and that's what it actually asks. And even on the subtitles, because I, I have subtitles on to help me like write down quotes and stuff like that. Um, it, say, it says, sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> sexy voice computer. And actually, speaking of, speaking of subtitles, so I watch on BritBox through Prime, and this whole thing pissed me off from moment one. Because as soon as you read the description and see the thumbnail, the description mentions Davros. Okay. Uh, and yeah, you just and, and the Daleks are there, and it's just like, oh well, no big reveal on this episode then. No, I mean to be fair, it's called Revelation of the Daleks, so you're gonna know that Daleks are there. I forgot that bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean though. I know what you mean. Um. Orsini and Bostock are getting themselves. Why are you cracking? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you get... about sexy computer voices and me being stupid. Yeah, just like just sexy computer voices and Daleks making sandwiches. You know, Dav, <laughs> Dav, Davros in his little glass pot, just his head shining. Have we got any corned beef? You know that sort of. <laughs> it strikes me as a potted meat kind of guy. Yeah. The Dalek having a shake back. No, I haven't been to the shops this week yet. You know, it's <laughs> you're getting Vegemite off. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? You can't make your own sandwich, can you? How are you going to spread your jam, your bogey in a jar? You know, <laughs> you can't even wipe your own nose, dickhead. <laughs> if you want to fuck off down the spa, be my guest. Oh, wait, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that if he did just roll into like the spa or you know fucking Asda or something like that? Just Davros's head at the customer service desk, going, "I am struggling to find your honey glazed ham." 
he's there with the he's there with a the bag in his mouth, just asking passing passers by to kick him down the street. Yeah. <laughs> just wheel me this way. I'm so hungry. <laughs> in those little oh. red wagon, that little one of those little red wagons that American kids have in TV. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, imagine I'm his mind will be blown. All this trouble of getting Daleks to make him sandwiches and having to go to Asda to get his corned beef and whatnot. Imagine I'm, his mind will explode if he rolls past the subway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. This is Epi- the future. Episode, epi- episode, five, episode 500 of Doctor Who Davros discovers Deliveroo. <laughs> Man, you wouldn't want to get his order wrong, would you? Fucking hell. <laughs> Forget his bottle of Fanta or something, he'd be fuming. You know? <laughs> Again, I think he drinks Dr. Pepper. You reckon? Yeah. I like the Dr. Shit, Pepper. The shittest drink known to man. No, oh, I like Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Oh, no, sorry, no, that's cream soda. Fuck yeah, I like cream soda as well. Yeah, no, you do. <laughs> anyway, shall we talk about the Silver Uzi? Yeah, symbol of honour. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and drive-bys. Yeah, and it blows up a Dalek. Special Uzi. Like, really easily. And, and he puts it down to some, like, plastic tip on the on the bullets. Yeah. So, basically, the Daleks have been taken down by an Uzi firing pen lids. Yeah, exactly. But before that, it gets we have some more ridiculous dialogue because you know he, he asks his mate Bostock, old, old old smelly Bozzy over there. He turns to him and he goes, "Have you ever heard of a sword? What's holding out? A, you know, a, a cane?" And he goes, "This is my sword," and then swaps it for a gun. It's like, what are you on about, mate? This is you're just talking nonsense again. Yeah, I didn't even bother writing it down because it just annoyed me. And just it's, bollocks. Yeah, it's always it's going to be all seen his last mission. It's all the rest of it and it's just nah. and all it's done he's, he's not such a master um, assassin because he didn't even know that blowing up the Dalek would set an alarm off in Davros's lair but he's obviously aware of who Davros is yes you know it don't, it don't take too much thought to get from point A to point B that's another thing that annoyed me in this thing is a lot of the characters are stupid when the plot calls for them to be yeah it's just yeah, like, totally. uh, and it's just that inconsistency, and yeah, there's there's a lot about this that didn't it, that didn't hit home, and it's a shame because there was a traffic, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame because the story wise and concept wise, there's so much here that could be done well. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. We're basically told that the great healer is responsible for what statues go up. So what a surprise. Davros is responsible for the statue that tried to kill the doctor. Davros knows that assassins are trying to get in and kill him. Yeah. Uh, he also lets Kara know that he has dispatched a Dalek squad for protection or for her protection, which is I, I, quite an ironic situation, I suppose. Well, no, that's, that's Davros being sly. He's, he's mm. put because he knows Kara's, sort of very diplomatic and political and sly. So he's not letting her know that he knows that she's sending she assassin. That, yeah. Yeah. That, that whole friends thing. Um, but this is where the motives get a bit muddled as well, because initially Kara hires our senior because Davros is siphoning off too much of the funds. Mm-hmm. And she wants to carry on production and, and whatnot, not give all the profits to Davros. And then here she's saying that 
with Davros out of the way, she'll control the food supply for the galaxy, hinting at some sort of like galactic domination motive. And it's yeah. like I suppose it can be both, but it doesn't need to be. Yeah, it's a bit muddled, isn't it? Yeah, because Kara's enough of a slimy character anyway that her motive to kill Davros for profit is enough. Her eyebrows are on point, though, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, eyebrows. Made up, made up really well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but again, you know, Kara's quite... A, apart from the you know the over-egging the pudding on the amount of dialogue and, and muddling the motives, Kara's a, a very well-written, slimy character and, and mm-hmm. performed very well. Yeah. Actually, yeah. for some reason, she reminded me of um, the uh, was it the high priestess of the papal main mainframe towards the end of Matt Smith's run. Uh, that doesn't ring a bell. Um, I got vibes of her. What was the one that we watched? Was it Happiness Patrol with the Candyman? Yes. And you know the, the the evil lady with the horrible dog thing. Oh uh, yeah. She kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Mm. Not the dog, the lady. <laughs> I know what you meant. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get that so much myself, but I can. Yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from. Mm. But yeah, I thought she was. She was. She played the character as well as she could with what she was given. Definitely. Yeah. One yeah. of the higher points, and then I suppose in a way, Clive Clive Swift did a great job of making Jobel a slimy shitbag as well. This is true. It, it, you know, it, he is a character that makes your skin crawl. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the that's the intent, you know. It's there's some there's some good. Oh, I say good. There's some well done side characters in this, which again makes it all the more ashamed that so much of it is crap. Uh, yes, but, a big waste, isn't it? Yeah. Seems to be the general feeling of, of where we've got up to so far. But uh, um, the doctor now is being he's asked to go and see the great healer, and Jobel is taking Perry to see the DJ. Uh, the Doctor instantly is captured by Daleks, which was a little bit daft, I think, just turning the corner and being like, oh shit, Daleks, and that was that. Um, yeah. And he's left, Perry, he's, left, he's left Perry with creepy Clive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah don't, how, don't how, worry how, about how uncomfortable, how uncomfortable was it when he dropped her off at the DJ? Oh my word. Those, those, those ruby red lips are made for kissing. She's like, not by you. <laughs> And then he, oh, he just cements his, cements his places of fucking just wrong and touch her by saying he loves a woman who plays hard to get. But oh. it's not playing hard to get, it's saying, telling you to fuck off, mate. It's telling you no, mate. Yeah. And, and Horrible alien rapist. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't add anything to that. <laughs> um, Tassen Beaker is watching Jobel what was being with Davros and is basically convinced to go and kill him, which is quite, uh, I didn't mind this too much because she does, you know, try and one last effort to, to save him and say, come with me now. You need to escape when she knows that Davros is watching the whole time. So a bit of a daft move on her part, but I suppose the fact that she loves this guy uh, overpowers that, that takes precedent with her. Mm. He is horrible to her once again. Oh, he's such a dick. And she stabs him with a fucking big needle. And I was not sad that he was dead. Nope, not at all. But and what I did, Tassin Beaker really does get the last laugh with it, and I'm quite glad that she did. Because, you know, she's there, she's confessing her love to this man who doesn't deserve it whatsoever, trying to tell him of all the danger he's in. And he's just, 
He says to it, I'd rather run away with my own mother than a, than a fawning creep like you. He has the nerve to call someone else a creep mm. for, for the first off. And she just screams at him to think I nearly threw away any, everything for a fat, bald egotist like you. And then all he does is take offence at being called fat. Yeah. She's still trying to tell him that Davros has ordered him dead. And he still dismisses her. So he gets stabbed. And the, the parting shot, the last indignity for him is that his wig falls off. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, dear. And that's, that's exactly what that character deserved. And I was well happy with it. Yes, indeed. Um, meanwhile, Perry is locked up in the DJ's booth, room, studio, however you want to word it. And he is to... Well, the, the Doctor, they're using the radio equipment to communicate. And the Doctor tells Perry to get back to the TARDIS because then she can warn the President's ship that Daleks are here and waiting for him. Um, the Daleks, of course, have intercepted this transmission so they know that they've spoken. So they're on their way to the DJ studio, which means Perry cannot leave. But they've also used the DJ equipment boosted in a certain way to get the message across the president's ship anyway. And his ship just turns around and buggers off. And that's kind of the end of the president, isn't it, in this story? <laughs> Bollocks to my wife's funeral. I don't want to get blown up. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement to be made, to be honest, you know? Yeah, I'd say so, I'd say so. And all the while, you know, the the, the, intrud- the other intruders, Natasha and the drunk doctor and, and the doctor, they're all locked up and being um, being tortured, effectively. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, we get the uh, body snatchers back, don't we? Natasha yeah. and the drunk. Yeah. Um, yeah I did like there. that as well, because one of the prison guards is, is desperately trying to get information from them, but he's emptied the drunk's hip flask into his mouth by way of torture, which has got him drunk. So he can't mm. speak. So now he's getting angry because he's too drunk <laughs> to speak and given uh, that I liked, I enjoyed that. We've all been at that level of drunk. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah it was, a bit, but it's just, he sobered up very quickly. Mm, he did. So maybe he, he was just acting, but, um, so we end up with, uh, what did you reckon to our scene in Bostock? Uh, trying to take down the Davros head. Uh, um, I, I don't know about these two characters, to be fair. I, I'll tell you, I think this is an issue across this whole story. Because every character we're talking about, we're like, well, we don't really like them. We don't really like them. They're a bit this, they're a bit that. I think it's literally just Perry I like in this story. The Doctor's yeah. a, bit, a bit off, isn't he? You know, with regards to Colin Baker's Doctor mm. in this story. Um everyone else is effectively a bad guy even when they're trying to be a good guy orsini is just hard work i couldn't be around that dude of all his silly ramblings and whatnot it's just every single person in this story is is kind of unlikable apart from perry bostock's okay he doesn't really but he doesn't really say much no but he stinks doesn't he i couldn't be around that what would you rather orsini waffling on all the time or Bostock is quiet, who's quiet but stinks a bit? Um, it's quite a difficult question, to be fair, because I really... I if, you, if, you're, if, if, if you're having to travel together, at least you can just put the windows down. Ah, yeah, fair point. Maybe not in space, but... Fair point. But Bostock... Okay, Bostock's borderline, then. He's more tolerable than the rest. But he's not... Like you say, he doesn't say a lot, and he gets killed off anyway. Yeah, but at least he gets a good uh, a good throw with the knife in. 
Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. Useful. He kills a Dalek or two. But I mean, you mentioned there as well about Davros, the Davros head. It turns out that the Davros head in the case thingy isn't actually really Davros. It's a model to try and yeah. hide the real Davros, who is just still ordinary Davros in his wheelchair thingy and could probably make his own sandwiches now we think about it. <laughs> in, his, in his poop mobile. Yeah, exactly. Now that, <laughs> that reveal... I can see what they were going for because Davros, the Davros head melts. So everyone thinks Davros is dead. Oh no shit. There he is. He's back again. So I can get where they're going with that, what they're trying to achieve, but I don't think they hit the mark. No, I think part of the problem was Orsini calling it too easy because it Mm. did feel too easy. It was kind of telegraphed. Yeah. Um, it felt like, it felt like something that could have been a cliffhanger to a part three. You know, if this was done in 20, 25 minute insta- insta- installments like the old days, yeah, that, that would have been one of your cliffhangers. Yeah. The real Davros is back. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. But yeah, it's just, it's one of, it's one of those for, for, for a two part of where so much is uh, waffly bollocks. Mm-hmm. This felt very quick and almost matter of fact. Yeah. He just, Davros just rolls in. Bostock uh, gets exterminated and, and Davros downs Arsini with his lightning. Uh, it's just... Yeah. And then Daleks arrive, but not the white Daleks that I like, the grey Daleks. There are yeah. different Daleks. And they're there now. And they're crossed with the white Daleks. And Davros is melted head. Yeah. And we then find out that the transmitter is a bomb. Well, no shit. Because Kara is now in Davros's lab as well. She has been captured after her secretary has been exterminated. Thank God, didn't like that, dude. Um, it's, but it's when, she t- it's when she says, when he dies and she says something like, do you know how hard it is to find good secretaries? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's almost like a jobble thing to say, isn't it? Perhaps it's just something to do with this planet, this race, I don't know. Maybe being around dead bodies all that much just sends you that way. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, then... Orsini kills Kara. See, this was this was all right. I didn't mind this because Kara reveals that it's a bomb just to save her own skin, which yep. is very on brand. And then she goes into a fit at Orsini about them, you know, killing them both, and you know they're all dead and blah blah blah. blah and he just says, "You before me," and stabs her for the betrayal. Yeah, fine. Yeah, that was right. That. Yep. Again, don't mind her being dead. Deserves it. Yeah. Um, we've seen the uh, did, what did you think to the uh, the weaponized rock and roll transmitter as a, oh, in the DJ booth to do with that bloke man I, I, I couldn't have done that he's doing weird at this stage I couldn't stand the Lexi sale in this just couldn't get on board with it at all but, um, yeah, but he dies in a dumb fuck way he does because he kills a Dalek with his homemade rock and roll gun and then he kills another one and he decides to jump up and have a bit of a dance about it. And there's another Dalek. He just shoots him. What an idiot. Yeah. Absolute bellend. And then the Doctor again just walks straight into a couple of Daleks who arrest who apprehend him. And he's captured again. Yeah, more dumb fuckery. Yes. It's just it's <laughs> tedious. Yeah, it is. Uh, the Doctor is then took to Davros by these Daleks. Um Orsini then he's still in the room where the doctor is and he has sneaked the transmitter which is actually a bomb uh, under the desk and he's got one button left to press in the sequence 
Um, Davros bangs on about his plan now. He's doing the whole Bond villain thing of the big reveal. He's turning higher ups into Daleks and others into food. Uh, we have the fighting between the grey Daleks and the white Daleks, which always looks quite cool to me when two different Dalek groups are battling with each other. And the grey Daleks basically take over. They are taking Davros for trial against, you know, for crimes against Dalek kind. Mm. And the white Daleks are to be reconditioned, which to me is a, against the way Daleks are because these Daleks won't be pure. Or do they mean literally just the casings? Are they going to give them a bit of a wash down, a bit of a wax? Well, it's, no, it's a complete reconditioning, mental reconditioning to serve the Supreme Dalek rather than Davros. Right. Okay. Because I think they view Davros's the creation of Daleks from another race to be an impurity. Yeah, um, okay. So that's that's why they're going for it. There was a couple of good bits in this with the Doctor and Orsini sort of slyly sneaking weapons to each other. With those um, knowing looks. Yeah, yeah, really subtle that. Really subtle. Um, Bostock was somehow alive, which, okay, he's been exterminated, but whatever. Um, I did like in the middle of Davros's big speech, and he's going to wake up his Daleks. Bostock blows off Davros's hand. Yeah, that was quite cool. That looked really good. <laughs> and when they come um, back and he's bandaged up, and it's all like his blood yeah. is all green goo. That, that's cool. <laughs> did you hear what the doctor said for that? Because Davros is giving you order in the surgical unit prepared. It's like you will suffer for this. You know, you, did you really think you could stop me? And the doctor just goes, "No, I'm in trying." <laughs> brilliant it's the typical mid-80s bond line in in, in yeah. Doctor here isn't it yeah and then you've got the then you've got the the war with the, it's almost a dalek race war isn't it mm. yeah um and it's but again it just sort of fizzles out the daleks the daleks just leave well this is it that there's a dalek guarding everyone left in the lab They've took Davros off and they've left one Dalek there to guard this this lab, the doorway. And this Dalek gets very easily tricked by the people who are in the room, gets his uh, eyepiece shot off, and Perry sticks a little bomb grenade, some description, on him. But the Dalek is panicking because he can't see, so he's spinning round and round, and his lid nearly falls off, which tickled me quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, and, that's funny. And then he blows up, so he's dead. Um, Orsini says he's going to sacrifice himself to blow the whole place up. Now, this was bullshit because the doctor was like, well, you don't need to. Let me have a look. I might be able to set a timer or let me have a look. Um, that's not, we don't know if that's the end. And Orsini's like, nope, this is what I'm doing. And it's like, no, dickhead, listen, the doctor might be able to mean that you don't have to do this. And he's like, nope, my mind's made up. It's our oh, fucking yeah, so just blow no, tired, tired, tired of living now. Yeah, just blow yourself up then, you fucking idiot. Uh, uh, he, he, again, sorry, they were aiming for they were aiming for deep and meaningful sacrifice, mm. and what they got was dickhead. Yeah, just let the doctor. If the doctor looked at it and goes, "There's nothing we can do. I can't," and he just took it off the doctor and then said, "I'm going to sacrifice myself or, or whatever." That's what you need to do. Yeah, you but have to not let the doctor the... look. Again, stupid when the plot needs it mm. or asks for it. Yes. The place uh, then explodes and there's lots of explosions and lots of running around and is the doctor dead? Is he alive? Perry's upset. Then the doctor emerges 
and everyone has a bit of a chat and they need to be reminded by the one beardy guy who looks a little bit like Ole Anderson that they need to get, <laughs> they need to get the hell out of there because there's explosions and the doctor and Perry are both like, Oh shit. Yeah. Explosions. We better move. Hadn't we? Which again was another moment of stupidity. And then that's kind of the end, isn't it? Yeah. We're basically saying that, well, if you, Oh, they just say that stop using people for the protein and start using this plant that's everywhere. Mm. That the doctor gave uh, Perry a little lecture about, uh, you know, in the first part. It's just like, oh, all right, yeah, we'll do. We'll become farmers then. And Perry just, you know, Perry said she wants a holiday and said, oh, any after this, anything, anywhere will be peaceful. And it ends with the doctor saying, all right, I'll take you to. Yeah. And then just a really terrible freeze frame. Yeah. Well, cheesy end to. Mm. Uh, disappointing two-parter really yes indeed um i suppose then to to sum up dan really uh we'll, we'll give our final thoughts on this uh, you go first my friend what, what do you think good ideas bad execution yes exactly what uh, i got <laughs> four words <laughs> you know some of the things in there not to go over old ground but like you said before the whole idea behind the protein and using people as food and Davros siphoning off the funds to create a new Dalek empire. In principle, that's not a bad idea. It's, I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. It, and it leads horrifying. to the brains in the jar and the, the visuals that we got that worked really well with a C3 Dalek. There's yeah. so much, the, the groundwork is there, isn't it? It really is. But I feel like, I feel like this is one of those situations where, the person or team writing it had a load of ideas that they'd maybe been throwing around for quite a while in terms of characters and someone's just gone, right, okay, we'll throw your Knight of the Order of Oberon into this episode. Yeah. How can we make it fit? Okay, we need uh, we need Kara, um, but we want all we want all your all the little bits that you know that, that Jerry's written about this, you know, about the food production. Mm. We'll put that in for him as well because he's not shut up about it for six months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just ended up being a bit of a hodgepodge. I think if if you gave like Russell T. Davis this concept, he would make possibly a whole season out of it. Right. And it'd be and it'd be compelling, you know, building to to all of that. And you know, ultimately have ultimately having maybe forty five minutes. Yeah. Because there was so much that you didn't need. Um, and even with you know the, the the cool horror-esque set pieces, yes, they looked great, and it, it's part of that framework that we say is there, and the, the good ideas that that did come off. But you don't need five to ten minutes of walking around corridors and, and moralising about killing guards and mm. and repeating that something's going on. Yeah. So yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> Not great for me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't rush back and watch it again no. because it's just left a a bit of a. I don't want to say a bad taste, but it's very much left a what if. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Spot. That's kind of that's kind of what I I've got as well. Could have been brilliant, but just so many things missed the mark. Really good premise. Some really good visuals. And then some really bad visuals, the, the statue falling and that one Dalek's lid nearly coming off when they're spinning around and, and stuff like that. <laughs> and 
just no likable characters apart from Perry, really. Yeah. The, the DJ pissed me off so much. Yeah, um, it down. And I feel bad for Alexis Hill because I feel like he was really happy to be there. Right, okay. And, and happy, you know. I don't know why. I just, you know when you get the feeling that certain actors are, are really enjoying what they're doing? Yeah, yeah. I feel like he was enjoying that. Mm. Or, you know, at least wanted to give it a go. And he got saddled with that crap. Yeah, not good, is it? Not good. But there we go. I think it's safe to say that this is not going to be a particularly high up on my end of season countdown when we get to it, mate. No, no, it's not. And yeah, to be honest, if I to give it a numeric rating like I've been, it's probably going to be about a four out of ten, maybe a five if I'm feeling generous. Okay. But it was definitely average or below average. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so. What are we doing next week? Next week, it's our third guest appearance of the season. Lovely. Uh, we've got um, we've uh, we've got Burnley Chris coming in uh, from Twitter at eighty two. Not Chris under twi- on Twitter. I can't remember his full handle. Uh, we're going to Peter Capaldi, and we're looking at the episode pilot. So it's our first foray into the uh, Peter Capaldi and Bill era. Nice. I liked Bill. Yeah, I like Bill. I like Bill. Good companion, Bill was. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that being a pretty season. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. I remember that being a pretty good story as well. Pilot. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Um, it's not. I've w- watched it a couple of times, but not for a little while. Um, but yeah, just Bill overall as a companion, and, and when you had um, Matt Lucas in there as well, and, and yeah. um, Michelle Gomez as Missy later on in the season coming back. Yeah, just really good stuff. Um, so yeah, happy, happy, and excited to get into some uh, Bill territory. Yes, indeed. Me too. Uh, well, before we depart then, Dan, my friend, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you and all your great content online? Oh, go on then. Uh, if you want to hear more of me talking about stuff, uh, I'm on Twitter at DanGriffin21 and on uh, Unbooking the Territory podcast with UTT Rob, where we look at the first and last of professional wrestling. Uh, we have a side project uh, that will be coming to an end in the coming weeks. It's uh, looking at the life and times of legitimately the hardest man that ever lived, Mr. David Tank Abbott. Uh, that's at UTT Tank. Uh, we have another side project, again, coming to an end shortly, Unputting the Territory, where we look at the only time a wrestling belt has ever t- uh, changed hands under legitimate sporting competition, and that's the Being the Elite Gator Golf Tournament. And keep an eye out, because when those projects end, we will be having something else coming out, looking at a more historical side of British wrestling. But um, I don't want to say too much about that until the end of season, end of this season of the Doctor Who pod, when I'll know a bit more about when it's coming out. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Uh, anything I'm involved in, you can find via the network that carries this show. So that's at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter and all your podcast players, platforms and providers. Make sure you chuck it all a like, a follow, a subscribe, all that good stuff so you never miss an episode anywhere. Also, loads of live content as well. We have Chain Wrestling on a Monday night, In the Corner on a Wednesday night, uh, all via YouTube, Facebook, Twitch and all that good stuff uh, at SJP World Media. And loads of football content arriving very soon with the start of the new season that I believe you're involved in, Mr. Griffin. I may well be, yeah. You might be catching me on the volley. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and this show itself, of course, you can find and follow on Facebook and Twitter at the Doctor Who Pod. That's at the Doctor Who Pod at the D-R-W-H-O-P-O-D. It's been a blast, mate. Even though it's not been a great thing to look at, a great story to, you know, 
invest in and take our time to review there's been you know some some nice visuals to take on board and i suppose you know perry was still all right but i I won't revisit it too quickly but i'm looking forward to next week i am indeed and if nothing else from this episode we'll always have dalek sandwiches indeed we will indeed we will uh it's been a blast buddy it's been a blast and to everyone else as always thank you for listening i've had a realization what if davros was so angry and so mean because he was just chronically constipated and his little portable shitter was just always full ah interesting so you mean to say davros is trying to dominate the universe and kills millions because he needs a poo I mean, it gets my goat when I need a shit and there's no toilet available. Fair enough.